My name is Ralph Alcoholic, and thank you for that intro, Rick. Uh, not only the interaction part, he said that's, you know, that's why he was bringing me up, but the part he read about uh, roaring through the lives like a tornado. How appropriate. Uh, uh, how appropriate. Because uh, that would be the picture of me you would see in that paragraph. Roaring through the lives uh, of others like a tornado. I don't have a lot of time to go through the niceties. I got a lot of steps to cover. You know, notice I didn't even bring my book. I apologize, April. Um, it probably would have impeded me trying to get through. In, in, in our chapter in the action, that chapter is the chapter that has steps 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. in roughly an hour or so. Uh, And so I'm going to attempt as best I can to give my experience with uh, how this program of action has transformed my life. And, um, you know, and and I want to thank the previous speakers, uh, my good friend Carl, for starting us off, and I, I like this format because I don't have to replow the ground because it's really hard. When you get into the program of recovery and the program of action, really we talk about going through the 12 steps and sometimes people talk about going through it one time, but they're really not linear. They're really not a linear, discrete series of discrete activities that you do. It's a way that I live my life. And after I incorporate these principles into the way that I live my life, you know, they get cyclical. They, you, they, you just do them. If you walk up to me and say, what step are you work? What step? If I'm not uh, actively riding a fourth step, you can see me doing that. And if I'm not needing the eye to eye with somebody, you know, making amends, other than that, you know, these activities and these exercises and the things that we do, they just, it's the way that I live my life these days. And so I'm glad I don't have to replow the ground. Carl did an excellent job with step, with step one, and uh, he touched me with a couple of places that he went with that. Uh, when he talked about Bill Wilson being plagued by waves of depression and the way he brought that home to us and encouraged anybody that's new, don't trip. You know, if our founder could be that human, why are you tripping off the fact that they still don't want me to be in the house by myself? They still don't trust me, you know. They still make me clap every room. I'm, You know, what? Well, don't worry about that. You know, our founder went through, he was plagued by that. And uh, Jules... Oh, my God. Um, The perspective you gave on we agnostics, I love that. A lot of times when we do uh, we agnostics, it comes from I've never had a relationship. Or like me, I've had an overdose of religious education. I'm not going back to church. Miss me with that. I'm cynical. I'm skeptical. And you came from the whole other place. God has left me. Wow. You know, and so I really, really appreciated how you just were so transparent with that, too, Jules. Uh, Oh, but I left out uh, one of my mentors and one of my very, 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 very best and favorite spiritual teachers, the great Polly Pistol. Oh, my God. And we are so glad that you are back out with us, Polly. And your presence 
you know, just you being in the room in addition to one other person that's in this room. You know, it just grounds me, you know, and thank you. And thank you. And I, and I, you know, and I, I got to get into what I got to do, but I got to thank these other people because Mr. Lee, oh my goodness, I'm going to talk about some of what you talked about, this business of, uh, uh, let's make mistakes, you know. And you gave us a theme to do. I keep mess, I just keep messing up. Isn't that the alcoholic's theme? That should just be, you know, just would keep coming back. I keep, I just keep messing up. You know what I'm and that is what we're going to talk about in these steps that we're going to talk about 5 through 11. I just keep messing up, you know. So interestingly, the fifth step, coming out of that fourth step, so, so I've done a lot of stuff, and, I, I, and, and so now uh, I've gotten on my knees, which is the propeller. You know, I've gotten on my knees, and I said, okay, God. You know, Scott already gave us a, a, a really wonderful. So I said, um, cannot think of, and I hate to crosstalk, and I don't mean to be contrary. He talked about, I can't think of a spiritual, why there would ever be a spiritual reason for the why. And so, of course, I got to be the contrarian, and I'm going to do a why. You know, <laughs> why do this anyway? Why sign up for Alcoholics Anonymous? Why do the 12 steps? Why, why God? Why, why try, why, why? Why try all this? And one of the things that is so important for me that I got when I came to a home group early on is I got examples. You know, I was 33 years old. My sobriety date is October 11th, 1986. I was 33 years old when I got to you guys. I'm 69 years old right now. I'll be 70 in a couple of weeks. You know, I've been with you longer than I've been without you. And I got great examples uh, that my life could be recreated, you know, and I, and I needed that. One of the reasons why we ground ourselves at a home group and we ground ourselves in Alcoholics Anonymous, in addition to needing to get the gorilla off the block because the gorilla, he had me. And I, I, and I wanted another way. I mean, he had me. But that wasn't enough. That propellant alone wasn't enough. Because I was like, I'm 33. I ain't had a, you know, I haven't answered anybody's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock wake-up call to go to work in so long. I no longer thought I was employable. I know nobody wanted to see me in their house. I know my little girl would never look at me with respect anymore. I didn't have a key to anybody's house. The, you know, you, that part that talks about our problems piled up in steam astonishingly difficult, that's an understatement. You know, I was underneath. I didn't even have a driver's license, you know, and so, but what I got from getting grounded in a home group was some men and women who got up here and did what we do, these self-revealing accounts, and they started giving me some hope. And one other thing about the reasons why we go, and we don't even know we're being prepped, right? My home group, which was 9604 South Figueroa in Los Angeles, had a guy at the meeting, and this guy was, uh, and, and it had a lot of people at the meeting. You guys would get up to the podium, you share transparently, and some of that I didn't know was preparation. And this guy, Dennis L., about 6'6", six, six, tall black guy, been to the pen, and, and Dennis was a hard guy. And Dennis would get up to the podium. I never forget it. I was probably about four months sober. And he was in front of the, the whole group. Big meeting, Thursday night meeting. And Dennis says, I could have your woman 
and your man. And I said, he, wait, wait, wait. He, that big, he didn't just say that, did he? You know, and, and he was, and, and I didn't know as a result of going to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, listening to you guys share stuff that shouldn't be shared in public, listening to you guys share things that were not only, you know, really scandalous, but were embarrassing things. I didn't know. And then people clapped for it. It played right into my defects of character, right? You know, one of my defects of character is, you know, and, 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 and I started sharing, and because you guys encourage and make it okay to look back. And that's, that's my biggest fear, a fear of what I think you think about me. So I'm a secret keeper, and I'm a hider, and I didn't know that. And I didn't know as a result of going to means of Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't know that that ethic that we have, when you think you're looking bad, that's when you're really looking good. I didn't know that I was getting ready for a fifth step. I didn't know that as a result of going to these meetings and listening to you guys undress, listening to you get transparent, listening to you get naked, listening to myself say things I had never, I didn't know I was getting ready. So I did this fourth step, right? And uh, has anybody in here ever done a, no, I'm not going, I'm not going there. I, I was about to go someplace. I'm not. I'm going to be good. You know, but I, I you know, I, I did a fourth step. And so now, you know, and a fourth step was, it seemed more intimidating than it was. I was in a big book workshop with some people, and so it was a small workshop. It was about 12 of us, and we would go on Sunday mornings, and we'd come back and report. And one of the things that also worked for me was kind of the peer pressure in that. I'm not going to let my brother Ronnie get in front of me. You know, I'm not going to let my boy Strange get in front of me. So we would be coming back, and we I finished my third column. I finished my fourth column. So now it's time to do a fifth step. And like I said, I'm a secret keeper. You know, I'm, I'm a scary guy. Where I come from, you know, writing it all down, that's called a paper trail. You know, <laughs> doing a fifth step, that's called snitching, right? You don't know on yourself? Oh, my God, you know. And, but, but you guys, you know, being convinced, but, but you guys, I wanted to get the gorilla off my block. And I had seen the evidence. I had seen the evidence when I got on my knees in my third step. You know, I said, okay, God, I want you to do something with me. And I don't want a whole lot. I'm not asking for a lot. I'd like to celebrate Christmas again. I'd like to open up presents with that girl on her birthday. And if it's not too much to ask, I'd like some of that self-respect that I see some of these men walk around with. And so I put legs to that decision, and I did what, what Scott talked about in the fourth step. And so now, you know, it's time to go to that fifth step. And, uh, again, I'm propelled by some people that I was doing this with. And I sat down, and... Uh, you know, in our book, we talk about lots of people to find. We don't need to find and understand. We don't need to, you know, most of us use a sponsor. And in this case, my very first fifth step, I did it with the guy who was facilitating my big book workshop. And I shared my resentments 
and I share my fears and I share my sex conduct inventory and, and I share what we call the things that you won't find in those three categories. You know, it says, you know, every dark cranny of the past. We found that somebody needed to know all of our life story and so some of that we found in, in, in what many people would call a take it to the grave list. These deep dark secrets I'm not telling anybody. And I shared it with Gary P. Uh, a man who couldn't have been further apart from me, but he was just like me. And I left there. Now, don't make the mistake in doing these things. You know, sometimes when you do a third step, some people get up from a third step. I, I formally do a third step now probably every year and a half. I've been a member of a big book workshop since November of 1987. And... Uh, Initially, some people did it, and my brother and I have kept it going. And we've been facilitating that workshop for, gosh, about 36 years now. And so every year or so, we get on our knees with a group of people. We've been on Zoom the last couple of years, and it's interesting to do a third-step prayer that way. And, and you know, so sometimes people think, oh, I, I, I'm, you know, some people get up crying. Some people, some people leave a fifth step. And there are promises that are promised. Some people, I've, I've done fifth steps, and, and some of the times, you know, I felt something. I felt moved. The person I took the fifth step with, we hugged them. Other times, I felt, like, totally uncomfortable, totally embarrassed. You know, I don't now feel like I need to be governed by a feeling when I do any of these spiritual actions. Sometimes I do a third step, uh, okay. Sometimes I'm like levitating, you know, I don't know. You know, but since I'm a, you know, this ain't a feel better program, new friends, it's a get better program. Don't be governed by the way that I feel. It's okay. When I get better, I'll feel better in the long term. But I'm so accustomed to, you know, um, instant gratification, that I measure everything in feelings. And that's the, that's the worst piece. So anybody that's new in here, right, I'm not feeling spirit. I don't feel like it looks like they feel. Because I measure it by how I think it looks to you guys, right? And, and I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and at a certain point in the proceedings, I heard a lot of Catholics in here, and, and Catholic, that proceeding is kind of awe-inspiring to me. It's, it's you know, it's solemn and it's up down up down up down and you know and you heard julie's you know singing some of the hymns you know but a baptist church is a high energy experience it's a little different than that right and my mom you know she came from that end and at a certain point in the proceedings apparently it never happened to me apparently something comes through the the congregation the holy ghost or the holy spirit and people jump up and move you know and i'd be looking at my mom like you better not jump up in here and embarrass I never felt what it seemed like other people were experiencing. So then I fall into my two traps. One is, if I ain't experience, if it ain't my experience, you lying about it being yours. And the companion to that is, my experience is the experience. So I have to be careful of both of those, particularly in my sponsorship. I have to be, I, those, those are blind spots for me. You know, and I, I continue to be alert, on high alert for those. But anyway, I did a fifth step, right? And so one of the things I discovered when I did that fifth step that we talked about, you know, was these things that seemed to plague me. We call them defects of character. And I found a number of them. Now, in our book, 
if I brought the book up here, we would have a couple of paragraphs devoted to step six and step seven. You know, the paragraph devoted to step six will talk about, you know, the ones that we're willing to do. And if we don't have a willingness, we pray for the willingness. And the seventh step would be the seven-step prayer. And so early on, the inclination is to think, those steps are really not that important. Bill didn't do a lot of writing about them. He doesn't appear to give them. And, you know, in the 12 and 12, there's a lot more written. But in the big book, it doesn't appear that there's a lot of, 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 of um, time that's devoted to step six and seven, right? Uh, early on, when this format first started um, being popularized, you know, this format of speaking on steps. Here we're speaking on a chapter, but speaking on steps and the rest. I used to, you know, because I, I, I've been doing some of this for a minute, I used to think, don't give me six and seven. You know, please don't give me six and seven, you know, of course. And then if I listen to my sponsor, who's sitting right here in the front row, do six and seven, then I really don't want to do six and seven because to me, he's got the seminal talk on step six and seven, you know. And uh, But you guys, I'm going to propose something to you, uh, Ralph's opinion. I mean, and, and it is, it's, it's I think that the reason why there's only two paragraphs specifically devoted to step six and seven, I think it's because our whole book is six and seven. What part, what part of this spiritual program of action does not concern itself with improves, with Removing the defects of character. Sometimes we call it red, you know, we call it, you know, bondage of self. Third step, defects of character. We call it manifestations of self which had defeated us. Defects of character. You know, we call we give it, Bill dresses it up in a lot of different names. But everything that we do, every single one of these ego-reducing series of exercises that we call steps are devoted to Ralph being free from what I think of as that bondage which defects a character. And so in 6 and 7, and I love it, um, when Scott was talking about the freedom to make mistakes, that is, uh, what entity do we know that has no defects? And I'm just throwing it out to the whole congregation right now and as if everybody's on one accord. But if, if in fact, any of us have an idea of what we call a supreme being, a creative intelligence, many and most of us call it God, almost all of us would agree that that power uh, in and of itself is the only entity that, that most of us is agree is, per- is perfect, is perfection, is, is without defect, right? So to be human is to be defective. Human condition. To be human is to be defective. My sponsor calls it a design feature. He says, I am designed to be connected to a power. I was working with a sponsor the other day, and he was plagued by waves of depression and self-pity. 
coming up on four years. And he's wondering, why do I keep having these same feelings? I'm being of service. I'm secretary in a meeting. I'm getting speakers for a meeting. I'm doing H&I panels. I'm doing, but I still, I don't feel like, you know, because now he's, he's entering this other turf that Bill wrote a letter about some years ago. And he called that emotional sobriety the next frontier, right? I'm sober, now what? Most of us hit that wall. Now what? And so my guy, he's like, Ralph, I still can't see. He said, I just seem like, I just feel like I'm not enough. How many people have had that feeling before in their sobriety or in their story, feeling a not enough? And a lot of times people think I need to work on that. Well, I got news for you. Again, Ralph's opinion, the reason I feel like I'm not enough is because I'm not enough. I'm not built to be enough. Lack of what? That's my dilemma. I could have moral and philosophical. Now I'm going back in your chapter, you know. But, um, but that's because I'm not built to be enough in and of myself. Why do you think I go to the third step running? Wow. No, dude, that's not the answer. The answer is not me. The answer for me, for a guy like me, is connection, is relationship with a power. And, and why? Scott, I'm going to throw it out again. Why do I need a power? I was, uh, many years ago, uh, I'm a kid, just started driving, you know, and I'm probably in my 20s. And L.A. is a really big region, right, especially Southern California. And one night, I'm way out. Maybe out your way, Carl Covina, Pasadena, somewhere. But I think I was on the front, and I run out of, uh, I run out of gas. Me, of course, youngster, and it's dark, and I'm 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 on a highway, and it's a long way between me, and it's no cell phones. This is before I got sober. This is in the seventies, right? And it's no cell phones. You gotta. I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't have no money. I don't know how I'm going to get out. And I'm not terrified, but I'm scared. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. You know, I got to walk. I got to, you know, it's a lot of stuff in front of me. And I'm, 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 I'm on my own. I'm on my own. And it's a scary feeling for a young guy, you know. And I thought about contrasting that with a call I got not so many years ago. And I was in a hotel doing one of these deals. And I got a call from my daughter. And my daughter was about the age I was when I had that experience. And it was the middle of the night, and she had been in a wreck. And it was kind of serious, and she called. And the difference between her and me was stark. My daughter had, I never had a daddy in my life. My dad left when I was really early. Most of what I learned, I, I, I've, I'm self-taught or I'm taught by part buddies, you know, and that's the worst teachers, young guys teaching each other lessons, right? And, you know, but that's, but that's what I had. And I have a mom that loved us, but my mom couldn't drive. My mom didn't have a car. So when I was a 23 or 24-year-old on the side of the road in the middle of the night, I was scared. But when my daughter was a 21 or 22-year-old and she stranded on the side of the road, she called daddy. And she knew daddy would be there. 
She never knew a daddy who wasn't there. She never knew a daddy that didn't have her back. She never knew a daddy that didn't provide. She never knew a daddy that she could call, that she never had that experience. So even though she was in the dark on the side of the road, broke down, she wasn't terrified like young Ralph White was. She wasn't, so, so even though, why power? Why God? Why this process? Because I break down on the side of the road at night. Sometimes I break down in life and I don't have no way out. Sometimes I break down and I can't see where it is that I'm going. Sometimes I break. And what I don't know for sure whether there's a power because my daughter could call daddy and talk to him and, and get a response. But it feels more comforting to me to believe I got one than it is not to. It feels more comfortable to me when I'm broke down on the side of the road to feel like there is a power that's got my back. You know, when I was when when I was scoffing, when I came into this deal, I'm gonna keep, I, I apologize because I got to keep I'm bouncing on back in the other people's chapters and the rest of that. But I can remember, you know, in Julie's cha- in particular, you know, I, when 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 I was coming up through church. And when I turned my back on it and I said, I'm not doing this. This is not for me. I don't believe in it. It's like myths. It's like stories. It's like uh, my friend Steve, he talks about, you might as well be reading Jack and the Beanstalk is reading, you know, the Bible. It's myths, it's fables, it's stories. Daniel in the lion's den, you know, uh, Moses parting the Red Sea, Jonah in the well. Who believes in that kind of stuff anyway? And it's so interesting how a guy like me outsmarts himself and every now and then trying to be smart, I stumble upon the answer. Because, yes, it is stories. It's storytelling. We have found that the best way to talk about spiritual matters is through storytelling. How do you put grace in words anyway? How do you talk about this power that we can't see, feel, or comprehend anyway? Spiritual speaking, and my problem, and the ancients never believed it. The people who thought it, the people who used to tell the stories, they were never fettered by literal. It was never meant to be literal. It's never meant to be literal. Get the moral of the story. Aesop's fable used to talk about that all the time. Get the moral of the story, dude. Don't worry about whether or not it's literal. And I didn't know. That's spiritual language. That's the language of Alcoholics Anonymous anyway, is storytelling. Because when I came in here and I fully embraced that second step, you know, and I started applying it in six and seven, because how many times, you know, have I been in a lion's den, you know, couldn't see no way, I mean, all around me. How many times have I been delivered from a situation like that? More than I can count. How many times have I been in a situation where I couldn't see my way to the other side of it? In sobriety. Parted to see. How many times do I take sponsee's hands right now? Say, we can't see. Let's see. Let's see. You know, and, and that's my favorite undertaking. Let's see. So in six and seven, I think that God, you know, uh, I don't believe that. Microsoft and any other people, Apple, any other people who do computers, and I don't believe they don't leave themselves a back door. I don't believe that. I believe if it came down to it, they could probably get into any device and do any, and I think God left a back door. I think my defects of character are my portal to the power. I go to God because of my defects, and I go to God through my defects. You know, and I go to God with these defects. How many, when you hear the word defects, 
defective anyway. What does that make you think about? Sometimes you'll think about a car, right? If there's a defect in a certain model, make or a model of a car, what do they do? Recall it, right? What do they recall it? Recall it to the manufacturer, right? Why? Because a car don't work on itself. Six and seven. Recall the manufacturer. Car don't work on itself. So that whole idea of me working on me, you know, six and seven. You know, and so that has opened up a whole new, and I think, me, I might be the only person here, I don't understand what I read in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous as a result of reading in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't understand what I read in the big book when I'm reading it. I think I do. I really, really think I do. Right now, we're in fear inventory. We're going to be reading in the morning. And it says, fear, we think it ought to be classed with stealing. And I nod. And I give words on it because I'm the facilitator. And I've been doing this a long time. And I think that I know. And I called Bob. And he has never gotten a call like that from me. I called him some months ago. And... Uh, I said, I'm hurting, spouse. I'm really, really, really hurting. And um, I was in the middle of the best life ever. In the middle of the best life ever. I'm retired and working. I work for myself on my own. My hours are my own. My mom is still alive. She lives with me. She's 93 years old. I got kids that I'm proud of. I got grandkids that are proud of their granddaddy. I got four, four, three of my brothers are in the program of recovery. So we got a really sober family. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I'm, 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 I'm good. You know, not a cloud on the horizon. You know, I got the best mate. And then something happened, you know, and uh, Leslie said, I don't want to play with you no more. Out the blue, bam. I don't want to play with you no more. I'm tired of you. And wouldn't take calls, wouldn't take. Check this out. Sponsors. How many people in here sponsor? What's the main call you get 90% of? <laughs> Him or her. And you be like, oh, here we go. And I'm, I'm that guy, right? Uh, you know, really, if I don't sleep in that bed, I don't get in that bed, I don't bring, bring me. You know, but I let you talk. And the rest. I learned a lot of lessons in that little valley I was in right then. I learned that the only minor surgery is surgery on somebody else. <laughs> when it's happening to you, Oh, this is like bring out some anesthetics, bring out, you know, I need, you know, triage, bring some stuff, you know, ambulance, bring it all to me. You know, but I called Bob, so Leslie was doing for for her reasons and, and she had and, and and I'm tripping, right? And and I'm talking to Bob and I'm 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 in it. I don't want to take calls from a sponsee. I don't wanna I don't wanna talk on my sponsor meeting. I don't want to go talking on any of the commitments I had. I don't want to. And I told you, I'm in the middle of the best life. All of a sudden, that takes place, 
And my life is, oh, man, it ain't even worth being up in this. You know, we feel, and, and so that line jumps out at me. Fear. We think it ought to be class we're stealing. I think I'm losing something. Now, all of a sudden, my whole perspective on my life is gone. We think it ought to be class with stealing. All of a sudden, I can't sleep at night. We think it ought to be class with stealing. All of a sudden, I can't be of use to other people, and I'm a useful God. We think it ought to be class with stealing. All of a sudden, I don't want to get up and face my day. I wake up like Julie, like Julie said, uh, Hilda does. You know, hello, sunshine. You know, all of a sudden, you know, instead of clear skies, blue skies, I'm like, ain't no sunshine, thrill is gone. You know, wait a minute. I'm singing, you know, uh, and all of a sudden I'm singing the blues. You know, fear. We think it ought to be classed with stealing. And I love the lesson. I, I, you know, I don't like getting the lesson when I'm in the lesson, but I love getting the lessons. I love it. It's good for a guy like me. I sponsor. I sponsor a lot of people. And one of the reasons that why I think I'm so effective sponsoring is because I'm a knee scraping, falling on my face kind of guy. I'm a face playing kind of guy. I'm not an effective sponsor because I walk through the two, tiptoe through the tulips. I'm an effective sponsor because I am the guy that gets my uniform dirty. As a kid, when I was playing ball, I never wanted to come home with a clean uniform. Sometime I would slide right at the beginning of the game, so you knew I got in the game, right? A lot of y'all that don't play ball, you don't understand what that means. But if you come home with a clean uniform, you didn't play. I don't care about losing. Put me in the game. I don't want to have a clean uniform, you know. And so as a result of that, it catapulted, you know, my sponsorship, too. I, I no longer now, because I used to phone it in sometimes with sponsees. You know, I used to listen to them with one ear. Yeah, okay. You know, because I don't do doubled up. I don't do fetal position. I don't do that kind of emotional pain. So I thought you were playing. Whether or not it's going to pass, and thank God for the sponsor I have. He's like, Ralph, let's just see what's going to happen. Because you know, me and Leslie were scheduled to go out of town somewhere, and we would go out to speak. And, and then we saw each other like across the room, and ring, you, know, you guys should have been there. It was a commercial. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I love the fear. We think it ought to be class with stealing. How many people have read that line in the book? And that line goes, God is everything or he is nothing. And a lot of people nod their heads around that. And a lot of people think they know what that is. And then you hit a polypistol moment. And you really come face to face with God is either everything or he is nothing. I don't understand it when I'm, so what, for me, when I read, I don't ever read with the thought that that's when, when I read, when I bump into something in my life, then I say, oh, that's what that meant. 
Oh, now it's, it's in my experience. I know we're here talking about chapters. We're here talking about our book. We're here talking about our basic text for recovery. We're here giving a whole lot. But I'm not a book worshiper. I'm, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm, I, I keep bringing my sponsor up a lot. And, you know, and Bob will talk about it. Ralph, if you read this book for anything other than relationship with a power, you're using it as a management tool. And that's human power. And I always hear him saying, Ralph, you can't eat the menu. I don't know if y'all heard it. You don't eat the menu. That's not the meal. Oh, so we, but this puts me in touch with a power. So you know that eight and nine, and, and, and the interesting thing with six and seven, and then I'm going to try to move, and so six and seven, I had a, uh, did I finish talking about my sponsee? My sponsee was talking about, yeah, oh, he's not enough. Yeah, I'm done with him. Um, <laughs> I'm done with him. You know, we, we got that anecdote for his purpose. You know, so, but when I, but, but six and seven, you know, a, a guy's talked to me. So the interesting thing about that, because I go to God with my defects, and I say, God, I offer myself. It's guys. Have you ever thought about, so in the third step, third step and seventh step are not that different. It's not, in, in junior high school, when I first started, I, I was kind of interested in girls in about the sixth or seventh grade, but I was still scared. I was still scared of girls in eighth and ninth grade, too. But I was fascinated. I was obsessed. I couldn't wait to go to school to see this girl, Deborah Singleton. Every never said nothing to her. I mean, I said some as friends, but ooh, no, 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 no. You know, I'm the kid that when it came time to sign yearbooks, Ralph, you seem like a nice guy. I wish I could have not to know you better. And then I'd be like, damn, you know. But I was scared of girls, right? Um, so, so, so I would never pursue that. But in, in but, but. Uh, this business of third step and seventh step. Because when you start, you know, as, as a kid, the first thing, will you go with me? Will you be my girlfriend? Sometimes guys would send a, a note, check yes or no. You know, and this is, will you be with, go with me? Will you be my girlfriend? Later on in life, you might get on one knee and say, baby, you know, will you tell me as your husband or can I take you for my wife? And, and so you ask, and it's, it's that kind of reciprocal kind of deal. And the other person has the option to say, uh-uh, I pass, never mind, I'm cool, you know. But isn't it interesting in our third step and in our seventh step, you know, how I propose to enter into this relationship, this primary relationship, God, I offer myself to you and then in the seventh step my creator I am now willing that you should have all of me good and bad the seventh step is a little different than the third step in the third step I'm clearing away some of the stuff that's blocking and when I get to the seventh step same concept it's another surrender but I've seen some of what's been blocking me now I've cleared away some of the blockages and now me being me butt naked in front of myself is saying okay God just like this good and bad. I don't walk up to Leslie. Most of us, when we walk into a romantic relationship, we send the representative. 
I'm not saying good and bad. I'm not saying, Daddy, I want you to see me without makeup. I'm not saying, maybe I want you to see me with my gut hanging out. You know, I'm dressed to impress. I'm opening doors. I'm doing this. I'm sending my representative. I'm, sitting, I'm on my best behavior. You know, I am doing all that. That's how most of us enter in the relationship. But in the seventh step, I say, okay, God, I've just seen some of the worst of me. I've just, I'm coming out of the back end of a fifth step. I'm coming out of looking at how I'm controlling. I'm coming out of looking at how I have these judgments of other people. I'm coming out of looking at how I got to have the last word all the damn time. I'm coming out of looking at how it is that I can criticize you, but damn, you please don't criticize me. I can't take it. You know, I go into it. I'm coming out of looking at all of that, the worst in me. I'm coming out of, and I say, okay, God, in this condition, bruised and battered and tattered and battered, just like this, take your boy, you know, take the, I mean, take me like this. I am now willing. And, and Scott talked about what's in it for the power. These contractual relationships we enter into in three and in seven. In the third step, I say, okay, God, do something with me. And if you do something with me, when I encounter anything in life, I'm going to be sure to let everybody know when I get on the other side of it, because you're going to walk me through the lion's den. You're going to take me through the Red Sea. And I'm going to be sure to let them know it was you, because they're going to be in the lion's den, too. Not so to blow you up. You don't need blowing up, but so they know where to go. When they broke down on the side of the road, they will know what it is that got me through it. That's, 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 that's what it is, my deal. And I get a new employer. I get a new, I, you know, I, I get all, all the promises. And in the seventh step, you know, okay, God, take away everything that stands in the way of me being useful to you and other people. Take them away. Okay, I get a lot out of that. I get these defects. That say, actually, I used to think these defects worked in my favor, but it turns out that those defects are what have been imprisoning me. We call it the, you know, um, bondage of self. So there's a lot in it for me to be freed from them, right? Um, what's in it for the power? That interests me. What's in it for the power? I'm going to go back to that. I'm looking at my time. I, I can't finish that right now. I got to go through. I got to touch uh, 8, 9, 10, 11. Then I'm going to go back to that. What's in it for God? This contract we talk about. You know, so people, I had somebody tell me, Spons, I have, uh, my sponsor is stuck on 6 and How you stuck on 6 and 7? I'm like, there is no being stuck on six and seven. You do the prayer. Then you give it legs by immediately going up, writing that list. I immediately start letting God do what he's going to do with me when I start making these amends. So I came out of that six and that seven step, and then I went and saw the people. We go out and we see the people. Eye to eye, nose, knee to knee. But they don't recognize us a lot of the time because there's somebody else sitting in front of me. The same person that was going up in that purse is not the same one. When I did the amends to my ex-wife, uh, one of the ones that stands out 
a lot to me. Uh, Again, this one was propelled by staying up with everybody else in the work. And Ronnie was coming back sharing about a men's he had made. Oh, hell no, you're not going to do more than me. So I saw Mary, and Mary came through, and uh, I need to talk to you. And, and I was about a year and a half sober, and she didn't want to talk because everything was cool on the surface. You know, we had a daughter together, and we would talk and quarterly. But, you know, there's the minefield. If you say the wrong thing, you never know when you're going to set something up. So you tiptoeing around each other, right? You know, and somebody here might still be in those minefield-type relationships that you might set off at any misstep, right? So I sat down, and I said, I need to talk to you. I don't want to talk. If I don't talk to you, I might go back to getting low. Oops, let's talk. And so we start talking, and I tell her all the things I knew I had done in that uh we got together when I was 19 and she was 18. And that was 1973. And she put me out in 1985. And so we had had a, we grew up together. We were kids and we went into adulthood together. We had dreams. We had goals. You know, she told me uh, she had bought an insurance policy on me when I was at my lowest. Uh, moved away with my daughter and her and didn't let me know where. You know, uh, couldn't sleep. I never brought a paycheck home in those last years. I didn't even think she should expect to see me tonight or payday. You know, anyway, so it was a lot of stuff in there. And so we went through that, and, and she was telling me some stuff that I've still kept in sponsorship all these days. Ralph, I'm glad for where you are right now, but there's a piece of me that wants to see you hurt like I hurt. And that makes me ashamed because I don't want to be that way. But, damn it, it seems like you're getting away scot-free. It seemed like I had to take, I don't want you back, but it seemed like I had to take everything from you and somebody else is going to reap the benefits. She was sharing some really good stuff with me. Anyway, so we go through that, and, 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 and it turns out now it's like a minesweeper. Now, because I say, is there anything you need to say to me? And she said all that. Now it's no elephant in the room. There are no missteps, and Mary and I have been cool ever since. You know, um, it, it, we have a remarkable relationship, you know, and that's one of the things that I learned from that ninth step is powerful. And while doing the ninth step, not waiting after doing the ninth step, now I'm operating with power tools. You know, it, it, it's interesting because it seems like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat when we go through this third step, seventh step prayer, you know. And then this is, you know, fourth step. We're looking for resentments, fear, dishonesty, and selfishness. And then when I get to the tenth step, rinse and repeat. Resentment, fear, dishonesty, selfishness. But the interesting thing now is I'm working with power tools. It was manual labor when I was doing that first inventory. I hadn't connected to a power yet and so it's a lot of writing and it seems like it's a lot. When you're doing that 10 step, you're going through it just like that. Pretty much now in my head. I don't even have to go through. It's a, it's a way that I live my life operating with power tools. That's a little bit different than manual labor. That's the difference in 10 and 11 because that same stuff we're bringing from just like we're doing it in 10 and 11, took from the same thing we did in, in the fourth step, rinse and repeat. But we're working with power tools now, and I'm doing it on a regular. And so now that I'm doing it on this regular basis, and I got this relationship with this power, you know, it seems, and I love when Jules was talking, so what's in it for the power? What, what's in it 
you know. And you, you know what, guys? There's a line in the book that's my favorite line. I, there are actually several lines that are my favorite lines. You know, one of them is our troubles we think are basically of our own making. Scott said it. If the problem is in me, solution is in me. I don't have to wait for you to get better for me to get better. Whoo! Wonderful news, right? Uh, then I love it on a hundred. If we persist, both me and you, man, must walk hand in hand. You know, if we persist, remarkable things. Happen. That was one of the late Don Major's favorite lines, and I love it. You know, I, 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 I'm glad I got a chance to throw Don Major out. I wasn't intending to. But if we persist, and I don't grade my own paper, you guys. I've not been encouraged to do that. But if I were to give myself a grade in any area, that's the one where I think I might get A minus. I persist. I fall down, but I persist. I make mistakes, but I persist. I do stupid things, but I persist. I've been here 36 plus years because I persist. No matter what else happens, I persist. And the, but my absolute favorite line, you guys, is this. God don't make hard terms. He don't make hard terms. People do. Sometimes sponsors do. <laughs> Sometimes folk up here do. Uh, well-meaning and well-intentioned members do. But God don't make hard terms. Thank you, Scott, for the make mistake. He don't make hard terms. I want to let you in on something. What's in it for God? I think God is thirsty for me. It always talks about God could and would if he were sought. That don't mean he's playing hide and seek. That don't mean he's lost. That don't mean we have to go out and look for him and find him. It means I incline toward the light. My spirit seeks out. I mean, it's, he's thirsty for me. It ain't hard. Why would you say that, Ralph? You know, I was sitting up. I've been telling this story with variations. Because I've been thinking about it. Uh, we were in Music City a couple of, about a month ago, Scott. And remember Rich said, uh, it's funny, people try to make a name for themselves in an anonymous program. I'm going to tell you how to make a name for yourself in an anonymous program. First day sober. Uh, I'll be 70 on 9-11. And I got two daughters that love their daddy. One of them is 40. She's a practicing attorney in the state of California. One of them is 28. She's remarkable. She's amazing. She does all kind of stuff. So they're doing this party for me, right? They did a photo shoot in advance of the party. So I'm doing the photo shoot with just my kids and my grandkids. And I'm sitting. They do a shoot of just me, which is the shoot that's on the front of the invitation. And I'm looking at my kids back there. And I'm looking. And I got a son. I don't talk about as much. He's my stepson. He's my son. Raised him since he was eight. And he has a daughter my granddaughter Riley 
And so in this particular picture, me and him were supposed to be pretending we were talking. I don't know how to pretend we're talking without talking, so we're talking. <laughs> and my son says, Pops, give me a name. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know where I'd be. Everything I know about being a father to that little girl I got from you. Call me Pops. And my oldest daughter, Rain, was in the back. And she didn't like the way I was posing, so she was like, Daddy! That's how Rain talks to me. Sometimes don't you pinch yourself when you hear them call you, That's me, Daddy. And then my young girl, River, Dad! (laughs) And my oldest grandson, Artisus, Grandpa. And little Arrow is Granddaddy. I said, I got a lot of names. As a result of coming to Alcoholics Anonymous, I made a name for myself. Some people say, Spons. My mama says, My son. How to make a name for yourself in an anonymous program. And when I sat there and I looked at my son with his daughter and I looked at my daughters with their kids, I realized when God looks at me with his kids, he's thirsty for me. I couldn't, I don't care what's going on with me, but when I saw my kids, oh. On their own, three wills, self-will, God's will, free will. He loves me so much, he won't impose his will on my will. I was bopping around about six months sober when a guy said, Ralph, God gave you something he didn't even keep for himself. I said, what's that? He said, he gave you the choice over whether or not you're going to return his love. God don't have no choice. God is love. So I sit and I was thinking to myself when I was looking at that, that's what's in it for God. That's what's in it for him. Just like what was in it for me. Granddaddy. Dad, that's all. You know, and so how to make a name for yourself in an anonymous program. You know, I got a lot of names as a result of doing this. And the main one that I got, and I keep, and they keep it in front of me, my name is Ralph White, and I am an alcoholic. All right, uh, we have a great way of closing. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.